Good morning to you all. It is good to be with you today. Uh, got some friends that came with us today, and he asked me when I was coming in here if I'd ever preached here. Well, no, actually not in here. I have not. Over there, quite a bit. <laughs> uh, when the fellowship hall used to be the church building. So uh, it's good to be back and good to be with you all today. If you want to follow along with me this morning, I'm going to be in a very familiar passage of Scripture, Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Talk a little bit about the prodigal this morning. So how many of you that are here this morning have that one relative or that one certain someone in your family that everybody says the same thing about them? He or she's just a little bit crazy. Just a little bit out there. Y'all got a name in your head right now, don't you? You can think of that person. That person that's there. We all have that certain someone. You know, I had some names picked out this morning. I got to thinking about it. I, I had, for, for, for male and female, I had Bob and Joe, but my wife has an Uncle Bob and an Aunt Joe, so I didn't want to throw those names out there and make you think that they were crazy, but maybe Aunt Joe is just a little bit crazy. I don't know. But as we look at this story this morning, we're going to read this passage here in a minute, we, uh, we see one who is a little crazy, a little bit wild. But as we look at this parable or story uh, that Jesus told, we have three key players that are in it. Three guys that we want to look at this morning after we read the story and kind of just look at a little bit about when we talk a little bit about the, the parable that Jesus told. And that's the father in the story. And that's what we're going to call to start with the wild son. And then the good son. That's what we're going to call him for now, the good son. As we look at those people as they play out in this, in this story this morning. And each has a unique part in the story that Jesus is telling. And so we're going to look at those individually as we go through. So let's, let's read, if you will, follow along this morning. We're going to be in Luke 15, 11 through 32. Then Jesus said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that will belong to me. So he divided his assets between them. And after a few days, the younger son gathered together all he had, and he left on a journey to a distant country. There he squandered his wealth with a wild lifestyle. Then after he had spent everything, a severe famine took place in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and worked for one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He was longing to eat the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have food enough to spare? But here I am dying from hunger. I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way from his home, his father saw him. And his heart went out to him, and he ran and he hugged his son and he kissed him. Then his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Hurry, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they begin to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the slaves, and he asked what was happening. And the slave replied, Your brother has returned, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he got his son back safe and sound. But the older son became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and appealed to him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have worked like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your commands. Yet you never gave me even a goat 
so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and everything that belongs to me is yours. It was appropriate to celebrate and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So we start out with the younger son asking for a portion of his estate or his inheritance. What was due him? What would be due him at his father's death? And, and as we look at that, this would have been a third of what the father had being as he was the younger son, because the older son would have received two-thirds of that according to the law written in Deuteronomy. So it was a custom for him not to receive this until his father's death. But there were rare occasions where fathers might decide to divide up their inheritance before his death so that he might retire from managing his estate and he would, he would allow the kids to go ahead and have their money. The really unusual part, though, in this story is the fact that the son is asking for it. He's initiating the process. He came forward and requested that he receive his inheritance. So on the, on the younger son's part, it showed a, a bit of arrogance and a disregard for his father's authority. He was, he was being kind of cocky and saying, you know, I want what's mine so I can go do what I want with it now while I'm young and I can enjoy it, not to wait till you pass on and then I have to wait and see I may be old in my age at that time and, and I won't be able to have the fun with this that I can now. So the interesting thing is the father agrees and he, and he goes off. And like young kids often do, he went out and he squandered or, or threw away or as we would like to say, blew it on silly stuff. Wild living, Jesus says. Wild living. And as we look at the story and we read there this morning, the, the course of events as he's going through this and this takes place couldn't have been any worse. He had thrown away all of his money. He had spent it all. And all of a sudden, the land that he was in, a severe famine hit. And he became in need. And he hired himself out to feed pigs. Now, I don't know any of you ever in here been around pigs. You ever fed hogs? You ever dealt with hogs? I know some people that, that in my life that have. Uh, when I was very young, too young to remember, my father had hogs. Or my, excuse me, my grandfather had hogs. But I don't remember that. I just remember the cattle. But as we look at this, you may be seem like no big deal to us going out and feeding hogs, slopping the hogs, whatever you want to call it. But according to the law of Moses, pigs were unclean. So to protect themselves, the Jews would not even touch pigs. So for him to stoop to going out and feeding these pigs would have been very humiliating for him. So we know at, at that, we know we understand what state he's in, you know, where he's where he's gotten to. And then to, to actually to think about wanting to eat the food that they had touched would have been beyond belief for Jews to, to even think about that. To even consume anything that had been near a pig. And I think if we look at the story and we, and we look at, at Jesus' telling this and sharing this, I think that the crowd at this time who's there, I think Jesus has their attention now, don't you? I think he's got them looking and saying, hey, what's he up to? They want to know where he's going with this. So the sun had hit rock bottom. And he wanted to go home. And the story says that the father was waiting. And we think about that. It doesn't tell us how long the son had been gone. It doesn't give us a timetable for that. 
it doesn't give us anything pertaining to that. But what we do know is I don't think this occasion where we see on this day that the son decides to return, that the father is waiting and looking. I don't think that's the first day that happened. In fact, I think it's probably more to the effect that from day one when his son left, and, and you know, we, we, can, we can imagine a little bit if we want to relate it to us. My morning routine is coffee. You may have that same morning routine, coffee. I can imagine the father getting up and grabbing his cup of coffee or his cup of tea or whatever it is and, and strolling outside the door of the, the, the flaps of the tent or walking up to the edge of the road and looking, looking down the road that he saw his son leave and just glimpsing off in the distance to see if he's coming back. I think it was something that the father was anticipating. He was wanting to happen. He wasn't sure that it would, but he, he kept looking and he kept longing for this son to come back. And what rejoicing and partying, the story says, when his son returned. You think this would be a happy occasion. A real happy occasion. But brother was not happy. Brother was not happy at all. Brother was, we like to say today, having a pity party. Because I've been here all along, was his statement. Never left. I've continued to serve you, and now look, this child, this wild child, has come back and you throw a party. Brother was not happy. So as we look at that, kind of a, a, a short synopsis of the story, of what took place in the story that Jesus told. We look at the people who are involved here. and We start with the Father. We know that the Father here in Jesus' story represents God the Father. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing that, that God has given us a free will to choose what we want to do. Just as He done the Son in the story. We have the free will to choose to do what we want to do. And how or what we choose to do is up to us. When it comes to anything in life, it's our choice. I can choose to do bad things. I can choose to do good things. I can choose to accept Christ as my Savior. I can choose not to. We have that free choice. God's not standing there with a big club, thumping us on the head and saying, come to me. It's a free choice. It's up to us. The Father is pictured as the one who is waiting for the Son. Not unlike God the Father waiting for us. Waiting for us to come back to Him if we've strayed away or waiting for us to come to Him if we've never known Him. If any of you have kids and more than one child, when the first one left home, would you find yourself looking around for them at certain times of the day in the house? Because, you know, they had, they'd been there so long, you'd raise them up and then you, you just know that at this time of the day, if, if they had left and, and, and went off and maybe got married and, and, and then you know the school bus comes by and you catch yourself looking at the school bus. Certain things. So, so the father was looking. He was anticipating. Not unlike him, God the Father waits patiently for us. Wanting that none of us should perish, but for all of us to be saved. For us to return to him. To come to Him, His open arms, waiting with love and affection for us. He gives us opportunities and He wants us to come. 
but he will not force us. He will not force us. He waits for us to come to our senses, just like the father in the story was waiting for his son to come to his senses. So God is there. God is available. God is waiting. And he is patient. And he is long-suffering. And he is kind. The next one is the wild son. Where do we begin with him? He wanted to go and sow his wild oats, if you will. Blow his inheritance and live life to the fullest. Maybe we can relate to that. Maybe not so much the inheritance part, but doing some silly and crazy things in our early years that kept us far from God and never ever thinking about Him. Maybe you were in that position. Maybe you weren't. But many do. They go out and do silly and crazy things. Cause their parents to lose sleep at night. And the story doesn't say, but that I, I doubt that when he got away from home, he'd done much thinking about father and brother. I think they were probably the farthest things from his mind because he was preoccupied with the sin that he was living in. He was preoccupied with all of the, the wonderful things that he had money to spend and blow on and do. He was living it up and having a great time. And like many of us who become rebellious, he had to hit rock bottom to finally come to his senses. And that's a shame that we, we have to go to that point, isn't it? It's a shame that our life has to get in such a situation where we go to a point where there's nothing left, there's no hope. Wouldn't it be a lot easier if we would go to God before we got to that point? We didn't wait till it got so bad that he was the only option that we had or we thought that we had. So this son decides to go home to his father. He didn't care about what speech he might get. You may know the one. You may have got it. I've got it before. The thing was, he didn't want anything. He didn't want anything now from his father. The only thing he wanted to do was to be a servant to have a roof over his head and food in his stomach. He cared about nothing else at that point in time. And now we see the picture of God the Father and the Father in this story, waiting for the Son with open arms, knowing that us as children of God, His creation, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter how we've acted, God's arms are always open waiting for us. It's an encouragement to us to know that He's there for us. And He had the sense to run back home. Do we have the sense to run to Him and accept the love and the forgiveness that He offers? Just as the example that Jesus gives in the story today. See, God's love is there no matter how lost you get. No matter how far turned around you get, how far you're gone from Him. His love is always there. All we have to do is run to Him. Run to Him. And as He returns and He had His speech all made out that He was going to give to His Father, He didn't even get to finish the speech because His Father jumped in because He was being treated as a son again. And we are joint heirs with Christ when we come to Him. We're all on a level playing field doesn't matter whether you're 18 years old or you're 80 years old when you come to Christ. Whether you're a murderer or a liar or all those in between. 
We are all on the same level because we are slave, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and by the grace and love of the Heavenly Father who cares dearly for us. His creation. He loves us. And the joy that must have filled this young man's heart at the reception he received from his father. Not expecting that, but, but the joy that must have been there when he's seen how his father reacted. What a reception you and I will receive one day from the Father as well when we are welcomed into the kingdom on that day. The last player in the story, the good son, not so much. It was difficult for the one son who stayed behind. He served his father. He stayed faithful. He points out, I never got a party. I never got a party for being here all the time, Dad. Never got a party. Not even a goat. I've worked for you and nothing to have a time to celebrate with my friends, let alone a fatted calf as you gave this boy. But you let this brother of mine come home, and now you treat him like royalty. Can you imagine his response? I don't get it, Dad. I don't get it. Why? Why? Now, this is kind of where it gets uncomfortable when we think about it as in relation to us. How often have we seen someone who has been a sinful, sinful person? You, you think about how rotten that they might have been. How, how just absolute terrible a person they have been. And let them come and accept Jesus as their Savior. And what's our first response? He's not serious. He's just playing a game. He doesn't mean it. He, he can never change. Nothing he could ever do make him change. I know him. I know how bad a person he is. I know how rotten he is. He can't change. It's not going to last. You just give him time, his true colors are going to come out. You may have said that about somebody. You may not. But, but sometimes in our heart, we may feel it. And it's not just as individuals. It's churches. There's even been churches who have went to the point of saying, okay, you can, you can be saved, but you can never be a member in this church because of your past. Last I know, last I checked, last time I read in this book, when God says He wipes the slate clean, that means it's clean. As far as the east is from the west. And God's Word says the angels rejoice when unbelievers are saved. There's a party in heaven when those who don't know Jesus come to Him. Why is it sometimes we don't act the same way? It's that sinful nature, isn't it? It's still in us. Oh yeah, we've asked God for forgiveness and we've come and accepted His Son as our Savior, but, but that sinfulness, that fallen man, sometimes that sinful nature gets in the way. But those who come, no matter where they've been, no matter how they've acted, they need our prayers and our support. 
not our suspicions and our condemnation. It's almost like we're saying, God, I was bad, but really? <laughs> this guy? I don't know. See, the Father forgave the Son because He was filled with love. Now, He may have told him, His Father all the stories of what He'd done. His Father may have never known, but that would not have changed a thing in the Father's mind as the Son returned. And as we look at the Father being filled with love, this Son was filled with bitterness and anger. In Jesus' story, he told the other brother was a picture of the Pharisees who were resentful that sinners were being welcomed into the kingdom. So we get an idea about where Jesus is going with this story. Because the Pharisees, they thought, we've sacrificed so much for you, God, and now you're going to let these people just waltz right in and be a part of the kingdom with us? When, 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 they're, when they're people that were despised? Do we resent God's forgiveness sometimes when it comes to others? We do. But when it's directed toward us, <laughs> no, we don't. We want it freely. We want it fully. We want all we can get. God, forgive me. Forgive me now with everything that you can. <coughs> I had a gentleman tell me one time that if a certain person who had visited our church ever came back, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. We want forgiveness, but sometimes we don't give it very easy. We should strive to be like our Father in Heaven. It was freely given to us from Him. We should freely give it as well. What about you today? you know the Father and have a relationship with Him? If you don't, he's standing there with his arms wide open waiting for you. We had uh, our two oldest grandkids were uh, living in New York for a while. And brings to me the mind of when we would go there to visit them. We would get out of the car and if it wasn't 20 below zero and eight foot of snow on the ground at Fort Grum, uh, if it was in the, the, the spring or the summer, they would come running out of the house as soon as they knew they were there. And, and, and we'd open our arms and catch both of them as they come running to us. It's a picture of the Heavenly Father waiting for us with open arms. What about someone today who maybe you know is in the lot with the pigs and needs Jesus? <clears throat> Will you pray for them today? What about that person who has accepted Christ and you're still mad about it? Doggone you, God, I still can't believe that you let him or her in. I can't believe you've done that. Will you ask God for forgiveness today and let it go? Or how about this? How about you just thank him today? Because when you needed a place to run, when things had gotten really bad, his arms were wide open and waiting for you. And he took you in just as you were. And he's still holding on tight to you today. 
So how about that? How about you just say thanks to him today for that? Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for uh, your love for us. Thank you so much for this uh, familiar story that you have in your word, Lord, we've, <clears throat> we've looked at many times. And just knowing, Father, that, uh, that you are there uh, waiting for us. Father, we do some silly things in our lives. We, even after we come to know you, sometimes.